The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Through a mix of solo and interview episodes, I want to showcase all the different ways the spirit world helps guide our daily lives, whether it's through intuition, signs, mediumship, channeling, the mystical, or the paranormal, our altruistic spirit guides and other members of our loving soul team are always there, ready, able, and willing to guide us. My guest today is Sheena Yap Chan. Sheena is a keynote speaker, podcaster, consultant, Wall Street Journal bestselling author on building self-confidence. Hello, Sheena. Thanks so much for being here today. Hey, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here today. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, I'm so grateful to have you on as well. You have been busy, girl. I follow you on social media and you are just out there sharing your message and this book that you just wrote. Would you like to talk about that a bit? Yeah, for sure. So I just uh, launched a book in May of this year called The Tao of Self-Confidence, A Guide to Moving Beyond Trauma and Awakening the Leader Within. This book was really crazy because I had to write this book in less than three months. So I wrote it over the summer last year to have it come out in May so we can have it for AAPI Heritage Month. And it's really about talking about the things that we go through, especially Asian women. Culturally, we're told to never make any noise, do as you're told. We people please like crazy. We don't set boundaries. If you look at history of Asian women, we were always second class to the men. And all these things take in a lot of the confidence issues we go through, especially if it's passed down from generation to generation. And then trauma, right, is something that we don't talk about. A lot of people are going through trauma or especially in our culture, we just ignore it thinking it would go away, but really it does the total opposite. So it's really important to learn what traumas we go through, work through them, try to find ways to heal through them so we can show up as the best leader. There's a lot of leadership books out there, but a lot of them are how-to manuals and there's nothing wrong with that, but we need to go a little bit deeper. We have to figure out what is really holding us back. And especially when it comes to leadership representation in the US, Asian women has one of the lowest representations of leadership. In 2021, they mentioned we only represent 2.7%, which is very little. Mm. And it's gone down since. So it's like we're left with next to nothing. And so this is why it's so important to have representation to showcase that we could be leaders and dismantle the negative stereotypes we still go through today. Well, thank you for doing the work that you do. I'm half Korean, so I can really appreciate other women from other Asian cultures who are trying to really help put us out there because you're right. I haven't experienced that personally because I was brought up mostly in a very American cultured environment, though my mom, who's Korean, she was born and raised in Korea, but it's not lost on me even though I wasn't personally brought up in that environment, but it's not lost on me knowing that that is prevalent in certain cultures. Can you share a little bit about 
for you personally? What was it like growing up as an Asian woman? And what gave you the courage to finally speak out? Yeah, all this really stemmed from my upbringing. I grew up in Toronto. I moved here when I was seven from the Philippines. So it was a huge culture shock. I was surrounded by Asian people for seven years of my life. And then I come here and it's like, where are all the Asian people? (laughs) (laughs) Even though Toronto is one of the most multicultural cities in the world, Mm -hmm. growing up here in the early 90s, I never saw anyone in the media that looked like me. So it was really hard for me to have role models that look like me that I could look up to. And because of that, I always felt ashamed of being Asian. I wanted to have blonde hair and blue eyes, change my name to Heather to feel more Western. The first Asian movie I watched was The Joy Luck Club. And the first Asian TV show that I saw was All-American Girl with Margaret Cho. Oh, yeah. And after that, 25 years, nothing. And then we got Crazy Rich Asians, right? <laughs> and I think I started really speaking up or just creating this work when I started my podcast, The Tao of Self-Confidence. So back then in 2015, I was dealing with my own confidence issues and I was looking for resources that really catered to Asian women's confidence, but I couldn't find any. It was so hard. And so I thought something was wrong mm. with me, not realizing we were all dealing with it. We just don't talk about it. We just keep everything in the dark. And for me, representation was really important because I didn't want our current and future generations go through what I went through. So I started my podcast and it was hard because there was no Asian people podcasting. There was like one guy from California who's doing it. And I said, <laughs> if he's doing it, then I'm doing it. And so I just started just seeking out all these amazing Asian women, sharing their stories, creating this platform, been able to interview over 700 Asian women on this topic. Wow. It's been crazy. And even then, the first five years, I was still dealing with my own confidence issues even though I have a podcast about confidence, especially when you interview women who are eight-figure earners and have two million followers on Instagram, you're like, oh my God, why do you, you know, who am I? Why are they even on <laughs> sure. the show? And that's prevalent. Like the compare syndrome is so prevalent in our culture. It's like, oh yeah, my kid's better than your kid. Our wedding was better than your wedding. My house is bigger than your house. And so it still takes time to unpack all the things that we learned as a child. But yeah, it really stemmed from there. And then also during the pandemic, we created a book called Asian Women Who Boss Up. And when the Asian hate started getting a lot more tension and increasing. That gave me the platform to speak out against all the injustices we were going through, especially Asian women, because we're targeted two and a half times more than men. When we're seen as quiet, submissive, and obedient, or we're seen as robots and have no emotions, we become easy targets. They think, well, nothing can happen to them because they have no feelings. And this is why it's so important to speak up, to call out these injustices, because if not, we're constantly that target. I mean, last year, they said they're a progressive media, (laughs) but they had a sponsored article on the day Roe versus Wade was overturned about how to get an Asian male order bride. And it was literally a manual on how to get that. And it was sponsored content. So they got paid to post that. Mainstream media had the top five countries and told you how to get one. The languaging was derogatory. And I was just like, this is appalling. And so, of course, called it out on social media. I got people who had more influence than me to share it out. And they were able to take it down and had the very lame apology because they were doing this for almost a year before they realized, oh, now people aren't taking notice. And what really was just mind-boggling was the number of people who said, 
but it's sponsored content. So does that mean because it's sponsored content, it was okay to put that? If we talked about like people killing people, you think that's okay? If you had a manual on how to kill someone or how to traffic a child? Of course not. We're not just items on a catalog that people can order from. We're human beings. And it's things like that, how we're portrayed in the media that really hurts us. Sure. So you mentioned that you searched for resources before making your podcast, looking for ways to sort of break out of this yeah. shell or cage. What was it in you, do you think, that lit that fire to take action? Because obviously, if there wasn't much for you to resource, no one else was taking action or not many people were taking action. So what was it within you that lit that fire to take that action? I think representation for me was very important, especially when you grow up with no representation. I realized if I really wanted the representation I crave for, I had to do it myself. Sometimes we can complain about things not happening and we can also make a decision to make it happen regardless of our situation. If we had no influence, if people didn't know who we were, we have to start from somewhere. And so I just went out there. Was I scared? Of course. I mean, who doesn't get scared? It's a good thing I had a good support system who just told me, just go do it. If you fail, you fail. If not, then it's great. And so if it wasn't for having a great support system, I wouldn't be here today as well. Sometimes we've always been conditioned to do everything ourselves, but that doesn't really help us. We have to learn to seek help, to have support, to be in a community where people can lift you up, especially when times are tough because we all have bad days. We all have days where we're depressed. And so having a support system to lift us up can make it all better. And it's not about repressing your feelings. Of course, we can feel the way we feel, but there's also a point where we have to get up and say, okay, this is over. Let's keep moving. Let's keep going. I know there's people out there who's cheering me on, who's always rooting for me. And just knowing that can mean a difference in someone's life. 100%. I feel like that that just can really speak to so many different avenues, whether it's like me, I share about spiritual stuff, just the same thing, putting yourself out there. It's scary, but you do it because you want to help at least one person <laughs> and then you feel happy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go back to the title of your most recently published book. Can you share how you came up with that title? Well, it's also the same title as my podcast, The Tao of Self-Confidence. So the publisher really loved that title and they're like, are you okay if we use that? I said, yeah, of course. And how I came up with that name was a very funny story. So when I first started my podcast, I actually wanted to name it The Stripper and have a tagline <laughs> to strip your limiting beliefs away. And so I was in this podcasting mastermind because back then I didn't even know what a yeah. podcast was. I was like, what is that? I just saw it on Apple and I was like, what is it? And so I had a graphic designer create the cover art and it literally was a silhouette of a stripper with a whip. And I showed it to the mastermind and they were all like, yeah, I don't think that will do well. And here I am thinking I'm like the smartest person in the world. I am so clever. And then it was just like a big hit to the ego. And so a part of me was like, oh my God, if I cannot get the name right, how am I going to get the show right? And so I just had to go back to the drawing board, get clear, get really clear on what this is about and had a friend. She's a spiritual healer, spiritual coach, just helped me get back to being more real, being more intentional. And that's when we came up with the name, The Tao of Self-Confidence. So I was looking through the iTunes menu and I saw a lot of people saying the art of, the art of. And so I was like, oh, that's really cool. 
But then I was like, I don't want to be another person that says the art of. Sure. And so I wanted something different. And Tao came out. It's an Asian philosophy and it means the way. So I was like, oh, that makes sense because the way to self-confidence and that way can be many ways, right? It's not just one way. And so being able to showcase all these different stories really helps because then you can pick and choose what works for you. Oh, I love that. Okay. So you mentioned that you turned to your friend who does the spiritual work to help you center. How has your spirituality played a role in your journey so far? I mean, it's been a big deal because for me, it's helped me show up as my best self, my highest self. And I didn't even know that was a thing. I'd done energy healing and being able to take out all the bad stuff and learning to really work as my true self. That really gave me that guidance. And if it wasn't for her showing me that, I wouldn't be here today. I spoke to her a couple months ago. She did a, a clearing and she was like, oh my God, you are at your highest self. This is amazing. I've never seen this before. Like You're really living your true self. And I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing because I never had that before. There was always something holding me back. There was always blockage, whether it's family or past relationships. And so that was the first time that everything was clear and it was just amazing. And I know some sure. people might not believe it and that's okay, right? And sometimes we just got to learn to be open to different things to see what works for us. Sometimes people see spirituality as religion. Those are two different things. I agree. For me, it's learning to trust your own gut. That comes from the spiritual work because back then I never trusted myself. So I really am grateful for her for just helping me guide me through that way and showing me like, you know, these are different things you can do. And this is what happens when you can show up as your highest self. One of the things she told me about was chakras and learning to heal different parts of the chakras. And I actually wrote about chakras in my book oh, nice. because of learning <laughs> of different ways to heal. So mm -hmm. having that spiritual element. And so I didn't realize that too. I had the chakra where I was people pleasing a lot and I had to learn to clear that because of course in Asian culture, we're really great at people pleasing and not learning to set boundaries. And it's important to set boundaries mm -hmm. because we need to learn what we will and will not tolerate. Because if we don't set those boundaries, people are just going to walk all over us. And that happens time and time again. And once we set that boundary, people think, how dare you? Who are you? How could you be so rude? And it's like, excuse me, that has nothing to do with that. It's about protecting my space and protecting my peace. Oh, yeah. So yeah, setting boundaries isn't a popular thing, but we also have to take care of ourselves and protect ourselves from all these crazy things, from all these things that will bring us down. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So I noticed that you seem to have a signature style with the color red. Can you share with us about that? Yeah, for sure. So I'm very quirky. So I just <laughs> Love do it. these different things. For me, minimalism is really great. And for me, I realized, especially when it came to my wardrobe, as women, we love to buy clothes, right? When we buy clothes, sometimes we buy the same thing in 10 different colors. <laughs> well, I do. I used to. And so I realized why do I have so much stuff? <laughs> there was yeah. like half the things I bought that I didn't wear. And I was like, okay, I need to limit the number of colors I have. So it protects me. I don't have to worry about what to wear as much. And then people will know me by that color. I actually just wear three colors. Red is my main color. And for me, red symbolizes courage and confidence. And at the same time, in Chinese culture, red is seen as a happy color. So we wear that to celebrate people's birthdays. It's also a sign of abundance. It's Chinese New Year. We get money in a lucky red envelope. Yeah. And so for me, it had to also tie something with my heritage. Oh, I love it. Yeah. What are the other colors that you wear? 
black and gray. So very basic. <laughs> <laughs> that is very easy. <laughs> yeah, very easy. Because I remember it was Mark Zuckerberg mentioned he wears the same thing all the time because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to utilize his brain power to figure out what to wear and use it for something else. I won't go as extreme as he does, but it is easier when you shop, when you don't find it in red, then you just don't buy it. Yeah. And it's funny because people constantly ask me like, what if you love this dress and it's in green? And I'm like, I just don't buy it. <laughs> and they're just like, but what if you really like it? <laughs> well, people can't imagine funny. it themselves, I guess. Yeah. And so when people see me, they just see me by the color. Oh, and then they just funny. notice me. They're like, oh, I love your red dress. You're like, yeah. just so out there. And yeah, it's just also for branding. When it comes to marketing, what sets you apart from everybody else? And Back in the day before social media, people mentioned that a customer needs to see a product seven times before they make a buying decision. But in the world of social media, it's like 20 something times. Wow. So you got to figure out how you're going to stand out from the rest. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Especially when marketing isn't your forte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so people notice yeah. me by the color red. <laughs> well, I certainly did. That's why I brought it up. So it's working. Thank you. You mentioned <laughs> doing the work to listen and trust yourself. To me, that means intuition. Yep. But what does that mean to you? Definitely learning to trust my own gut. If it feels right, then we go for it. And sometimes when we go for it, we picture something that's like this picture perfect situation, not realizing it could be the total opposite. And then you're like, well, maybe my intuition was wrong. And then of course you see the result that you get. And then you look back and you're like, oh, that's why that happened. <laughs> yep. And so we have to learn whatever we picture in our head won't always, most of the time, it probably won't happen. It's usually the opposite, but everything happens for a reason. So learning to say yes more to things that feel good and learning to say no, that doesn't align. And it's not always easy. Oh yeah. Of course we're human. Sometimes we see the shiny ball and we want to get it, especially in this crazy world of social media, Mm -hmm. but we have to take a step back and realize, well, Am I living with integrity? Is it hurting anybody? Is it going to affect my mental health? Is this going against with what I believe in? For me, it's just learning to say yes to the things that feel good and then learning to say no to the things that don't feel good, of course. <laughs> yeah. So what was that process like for you to trust it? Lots of practice. <laughs> yeah, right? Did you just have to go with what felt good yeah. and then yeah, <laughs> and then see that, oh, yeah, the outcome was good. Okay. Now I remember what that feels like. Yeah. It's just through experience. <laughs> The more you keep doing it and then just learning other people's stories, you're like, okay, I'm not the only one who deals with this. And that's why sharing our stories is so important because people can relate to what we go through. Oh, yeah. 100%. And then they realize they're not the only ones who are going through that journey. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. So when you get asked to be a speaker, what sort of things are you speaking about? There's so many things. Confidence is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. One of the things I talk about is the confidence gender gap. Men have more confidence than women. This is really important because one of the biggest reasons why women are not confident is due to inaction. It makes total sense, right? As women, we have a thousand ideas. We don't even execute one. I've been there too. We've been programmed by media. 
Disney, Disney fairy tales where the prince comes to save you. Even K-dramas, right? There's always a chebble coming to save you. (laughs) But in real life, that doesn't happen. We got to go out there and take action, make the first move and be okay with it. So I had to learn, we got to go out there and take action and showcase what happens when women take action. It doesn't have to be the right action. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail forward. Because if a man and a woman were to apply for a promotion, let's say, the woman will be 110% ready but something still holds her back. She still feels like she's not enough. Wow. Meanwhile, when a man goes in, he'll be like 30% ready. And he's like, I'm gonna go for it. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it. They don't care if they get yes or no. They're just happy they made it happen. It's funny because I had a friend who her boyfriend got a management position at his job. And she was like, well, what did you do? And he said three words to her. And it was... I don't know. <laughs> it's just funny because it's probably true. He probably didn't know what he was doing, but he got it anyway. Sure. And as women, we just have to learn to shoot our shot, make those moves because it's better than getting a no than not doing it at all. Yeah. And so confidence, of course, needs action on our part to make things happen. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the topics. Another one is about trauma because trauma is prevalent in our culture and learning to talk about that, learning to overcome it, to be where we are today. And then just talking about about our culture, especially when there's Asian Heritage Month, just talking about things we've gone through. There's always this misconception that racism against our community only happened during the pandemic when it's been happening for centuries. And that's because in schools, nobody ever taught history of Asian Americans. We had the Chinese Exclusion Act, Japanese internment camps, Philippine War. So there was just so many things and it was just erased from history. Yeah, or just not really talked about Do you find that your message, though I know there's a lot of focus to the Asian cultures, but do you find that other cultures can relate to it? Oh, most definitely. Of course. We all go through trauma so they can relate to those stories. And if they can't, they can learn something new. And I think it's important to have diverse stories. It's important to share our specific stories. We can't have the same story over and over again thinking that, that's the only way. It's important that people can learn from what we do, especially when we live in a melting pot like Canada and America. We should have enough diversity where people can learn from each other and learn to live with each other in peace versus all these crazy attacks that's happening. It's great because I've had people from different cultures that have bought the book, had loved it, tells me how it really relates to them. And it's just, it's crazy to know that you can make a difference not only within your culture, but beyond that. And I think sometimes, I don't know if it's because of Western media, it feels like they're the only ones who can relate to other cultures, but we all can relate to each other. Look at BTS. Most of them came with speak English sings in Korean, lives in Korea, but has fans literally all over the world. Mm-hmm. They got armies in Brazil and in Africa, in Turkey. And it's like the most random places ever. It's amazing. But they don't try to be anybody else but themselves. Yeah. They sing in Korean. They're Korean. They live in Korea. They do all things Korean. Yeah. And they can still relate to everybody. And I always share that because sometimes we feel like we can only empower our own community when really we can go beyond that. Oh, gosh. Yes. BTS is such a great example of that. For anybody who doesn't know, they're this amazing, (laughs) I think, maybe you think too, Sheena, amazing K-pop boy group from Korea. They are just incredible. And I think it's just because music can just speak through all cultures and their message is just one of really of love, which is fantastic and not like romantic love. It's like loving ourselves and being kind to 
each other. It's just such positive messages in their music. Yeah. No, I mean, I love BTS. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a J-Hope stan. Hey. <laughs> their lyrics are just very relatable. And when you really just sit down mm-hmm. and read their lyrics, it's just like, oh my God, I felt like that too. I think that's why they're so popular is because they can relate yeah. to people with their own struggles. They don't tell people they're perfect, that they're awesome. They tell people every time they perform, they still get nervous. They screw up. They're quirky. You look at their mm-hmm. Run BTS shows, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. They had one show where they all traveled to LA and they were trying to pick up girls to be in their music video. <laughs> it was hilarious. You see one of the members who was telling himself, confidence, confidence, and then goes up and just asks this random woman, can you be in my video? (laughs) Because that's not easy. Yeah, I love them. (laughs) I think they're great. And their music is healing. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I listen to their stuff, especially because I like the work that they do where it speaks out against their haters. It feels very empowering to hear that. So. Yeah. So many levels. They're just amazing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to ask, what sort of feedback are you getting from women and maybe even men in the Asian community now that you put yourself out there? It's been pretty good. They appreciate that I'm out there just showing others what's possible, sharing the things that was able to achieve and just be out there. Sometimes too, in our culture, we just feel like we can't show face. We can't brag what we do. We got to stay humble. But for me, like it's important to showcase what I've achieved because it shows others, especially people who look like us, what's possible. And if they don't see that, they don't think anything is possible. And so it's funny because sometimes women will ask me, well, how do you know when it's too much to promote yourself? And I'm like, I don't know. I actually don't know. I don't really have a limit. If you're not sick of your face yet, then you're not doing <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. There's days where I'm like, oh my God, I'm sick of looking at myself, but I do it to show others what's possible. Yeah. Just this morning, I realized that my book is in one of the biggest libraries in Canada. And that is big because libraries now are very underfunded. And when they do have funding, they don't really buy books from diverse authors. So to see that, and they were able to buy. 10 copies and have it in 10 locations. It's a big deal. And so, of course, I'm going to share that. It's like, here's someone who had no clue what she was doing, didn't really know the actions she took were right or wrong, but she just went out there, went for it and just course corrected along the way. I think we have to be more honest about just take action, take imperfect action, make mistakes. It's all part of it because that's how you get results. As women, we're so afraid to make a mistake. And I get it. Culturally, you need to be the perfect daughter, perfect wife, perfect child. You need to get 100 on all your tests. (laughs) If you got a 95, it's like, why didn't you get 100? (laughs) And so, of course, that takes a toll Mm -hmm. on us. And so we just have to learn that it's okay to make mistakes, especially when you're an entrepreneur. Oh my gosh. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. I remember when I used to work a job, making a mistake was like the end of the world. And I was reprimanded heavily for it, even though I put my whole heart into my job. Of course, we're going to make mistakes. But it was like, you made a mistake. You were so stupid. How could you do that? And you just feel bad about yourself, not realizing, well, what about all the times that I've done? I'm not saying I didn't make the mistake. Yeah, I made a mistake. I screwed up. But don't make it seem like this was the biggest mistake I ever made because in entrepreneurship, mistakes will happen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And sometimes your mistakes will lead you to your greatest opportunities. (laughs) That is so true. Yes. And we definitely are our hardest critics. 
So Wall Street Journal bestselling author. That means a lot of people are grabbing your book and they're definitely want to hear what it is that you have to say because they can relate to that. What was that like when you found out that you were a bestselling author? Oh my God. Well, at first I was shocked, of course. Of course I was happy, sure. but yeah. sometimes when you hit a big goal like that, it gives you a slump. I was going through this one period where I just felt like, what do I do with it now? What do I do next? I was feeling a little bit depressed because I didn't know what else to do. Oh, sure. And so I thought something was wrong with me. Here I am. I was able to get Wall Street Journal bestselling author status, be in the same list as Brene Brown, which is like crazy. So awesome. And then I'm depressed about it. How dare I? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I realized a lot of entrepreneurs go through this. When they reach this goal that they never thought was possible, they get depressed because they don't know what to do next. Because you've already hit it. So it's like, what else could you hit? Uh, And so I kind of went through a similar thing. And when I realized other people were going through that, I know that I could get out of it. And so sometimes we just have seasons where we're not happy, we feel depressed, we go through a slump. And then of course, culturally, it's like, this isn't enough. We got to keep going to the next level. So for me, it was like, well, that's it. What else can I do? Sure. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I don't know what else to do. I already hit it. There's nothing left. (laughs) Really, there's still a lot of work we got to do. I mean, that's just one part of it. It's great. It's great to show others what's possible, to show them that here's a woman from Canada who's Asian, who made it to the Wall Street Journal, to show our community that we can be bankable, that we can tell great stories, and we can have books that are written by us, especially on the topics of business. It's so funny because I was able to see my book at a Barnes and Noble store for the first time when I went to Orlando a couple of weeks back. And my mom was like, why is your book in the business section? And I was like, ouch. (laughs) She's like, no, no, no. I mean, you're more like self-help. And I'm like, well, mom, you need a strong mindset to run a business. If you don't have that strong mindset, how are you going to make money? Like you need a strong work ethic, a strong mindset when things get tough. All related. It was just funny. Asian parents are savage. They just say what they think without any malice. And I had to learn that the hard way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Even though it still stings, but it's not right. right. (laughs) We just have to learn. We do our best not to be emotional about it. (laughs) Yes, we do our very best. (laughs) This is true. Well, Sheena, this has just been such an amazing conversation so far. I was wondering to help wrap up our interview, if you could share what advice would the Sheena of today give her younger self? Oh, the one thing I would say is go ask for help. That's one main thing I would say. Don't be afraid to ask for help because culturally we've been told that asking for help is a sign of weakness. It's shameful. But asking for help was what really got me to the next level. We can't do everything ourselves. We have a lot of blind spots that we can't see. If you need a rear view mirror just to check your lanes as you're driving, just imagine us. (laughs) We need a second or third pair of eyes to show us our blind spots, correct it so we can show up as our best self. And especially in this crazy world that we're in today, support is needed now more than ever. So that's what I would tell my younger self. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Sheena, for your time and for sharing your journey with us so far. I really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been such a blast. (laughs) And that was another episode of a Guided Life podcast. To connect with me via my socials or for links to my book titled Guided or my card deck called From Your Spirit Guides, please visit my Linktree site at L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Guided West. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always.
I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.